What are we looking at here is a film review podcast. There will be significant spoilers in every episode, so if you haven't seen the movies I'm discussing, please do pause here and go see them before continuing. I talk about all kinds of films and all kinds of topics, so some content may not appeal to you. You can check out the content warnings in the show notes and decide if this episode is right for you. What are we looking at here? Hi everybody, welcome to the show. Today we're looking at a snake in June and how perspective makes all the difference. A Snake in June, a 2002 film from Japan, gives us Rinku, a fairly shy, unassuming young woman who works in a counseling center and whose marriage to Shigehiko is a little disconnected. Her entire life is humdrum and routine, so much so that dealing with an angry woman at her workplace constitutes the most stressful excitement she's had in maybe forever. Enter Iguchi, a man who had at one point called the counseling center and who then developed a liking for Rinku. You know, one of those stalker-type likings that involve watching her through her skylight and taking pictures. He takes some compromising photos of Rinku, and even though they're of her alone in her own bedroom, he's able to blackmail her. He forces her to do things in exchange for keeping the photos secret. He makes her go to the mall, remove her underwear, and put on a teensy dress that's really just a long shirt. He also makes her buy a personal pleasure toy. Most of the time we spend with Rinku in this scene, we're seeing things through her eyes. We see people looking at her, we hear her breathing heavily with embarrassment and self-consciousness. Anyone over the age of twelve knows exactly how she feels, all eyes on her, parts of her being exposed for others to criticize and judge shriveling up into a raisin with no confidence and pretty much on the verge of tears. When we aren't seeing through her eyes, when the camera is looking at Rinku, we see her hunched into as small a ball as she can be, trying to force the teensy skirt to cover her bits, trying to be invisible, deeply embarrassed, imagining that everyone knows she purchased the personal pleasure toy. Her discomfort is so obvious and so intense that we can't help but feel it with her. And all to avoid the revelation of private photos, even though she hadn't been doing anything hurtful or illegal in them, the thought of her personal life being exposed in such a way is even more terrifying than her gauntlet walk down the mall. But after this socially based torture, some stuff happens. Stuff like her husband wondering what's going on with his wife which may be the most they've interacted in a long time. Stuff like realizing she has breast cancer, because her stalker sees a lump when he's spying on her. That's got to mess with your head. Rinku basically reaches an emotional crisis point, and emerges quite changed from the other side of it. 
She goes back out in the microdress, but this time the camera is always on her rather than through her eyes. She isn't hunched over or trying to make herself smaller. She's walking with the sultry confidence of a runway model. She isn't embarrassed or self-conscious. She looks happy. Even more eyes seem to be on her than before, but she takes no notice of them, and because we're not seeing through her eyes, we don't really take any notice of her audience either, except to note that they're there and that they and we are watching Rinku walk by. In the first scene, Rinku is involuntarily on display, but in the second scene, even though people can see her just as easily, her visibility is entirely up to her. She's in complete control, and her discomfort has disappeared. In fact, where we felt her pain in the first scene, in the second scene, we feel her power. It isn't even that she looked mousy or something before, and then transformed like Cinderella into someone beautiful. She looks exactly the same, really, except for the confidence and the power and the total disregard for the eyes that follow her. Typically with this dynamic, the focus is on the physical appearance of the protagonist. The Cinderella notion, where someone, usually a woman but not always, who isn't much to look at or is socially invisible, manages to buy the right clothes and change their hair and put on the right makeup. But other than wearing a dress she would not typically wear to, say, work, Rinku looks the same. Her hair is the same, her makeup is the same. It's not even a new microskirt, it's the same dress as before. It's the woman who's changed. She's just simply not the same woman she was at the beginning of the film. The transformation isn't just in Rinku, though. It's in the whole transformation dynamic. Cinderella gets a fancy dress and a hairdo so that she can apparently woo a prince who's so clueless he can't even recognize the supposed love of his life. And more than one Cinderella clone has duplicated that formula. The protagonist is overlooked because of their appearance or their personality. So let's change their appearance and or personality, and then they won't be overlooked. The other characters will know the protagonist matters because suddenly they're aware of them. And that's also how the audience knows there's been a successful transformation, because other characters are now aware of the one who's changed. I'm not saying the people watching the more confident Rinku aren't appreciative of her physical appearance, but their appreciation doesn't even factor into the scene. The camera is on Rinku and on how unconcerned she is with her audience. Unlike the first scene, where she and we are overcome with embarrassment, humiliation, and panic, and where all we see are the many, many eyes that seem to be staring at her as she scuttles by, the second scene doesn't even really point out that others are there to see her. Her transformation isn't because she's suddenly seen, or because she's suddenly important, or because she's finally beautiful. She's no more seen than she was before. She was always as important as she is now, and she doesn't look any more beautiful. She's just comfortable now. She's comfortable. She's comfortable with how she's dressed and how she looks. 
She's comfortable with being visible. She's comfortable with herself. The only real difference between the Rinku at the beginning of the film and Rinku at the end is that she's just stopped caring if people are watching. The shift in perspective isn't on the part of the other characters who are suddenly aware of her. It isn't on the part of the audience who are suckers for a glow-up. It isn't that her new confidence allows her to be the person other characters like or fall in love with or who deserves some kind of praise or promotion or external reward. It isn't that people watching her in the first scene are looking at her negatively and in the second scene are looking at her positively. In fact, the way they look at her doesn't particularly change. The shift in perspective is that it doesn't matter if they're watching positively or negatively. It doesn't matter if they're watching her in a public space or in her own bedroom. It just suddenly doesn't matter if they're watching her at all. I'm not saying it's even remotely okay to stalk a woman and take secret pictures of her through her skylight. I'm saying that Rinku's transformation is about taking charge of that situation, of deciding what is and isn't okay for her, deciding for herself whether or not she wants to be seen, and deciding that others' opinions of her life are irrelevant. The two scenes in the dress are functionally identical. But when Rinku is worried and anxious and self-conscious, she's unhappy. And others seem to be looking at her as if something is wrong. Probably because she's hyperventilating rather than as a comment on her clothing, but in any event, they're looking at her as though something is wrong. When Rinku is not worried or self-conscious or concerned with public opinion, she's happy. And others, other than noting the pretty lady walking by, don't seem to be looking at her much at all, and she wouldn't even notice if they were. The two scenes are identical, but in one instance Rinku is unhappy, and in the other instance Rinku is happy. The change is exclusively in her perspective on the situation, rather than on any external person or circumstance. When she's nervous and humiliated, her negative feelings and scuttling don't fix any of it. And when she's confident and unconcerned, her positive feelings and self-assurance don't hurt anything. Basically, none of her strategies affect how the outside world interacts with her. And since none of her strategies affect how the outside world interacts with her, well, she might as well be confident and happy. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoyed it, please spread the word. If you want to check out my other content, you can visit my website at www.smrcooper.com. I hope you have a good week and that things go your way. And if you get a chance, watch a movie.